So we extended our series on this booklet, this classic booklet called um, My Heart, Christ's Home, that was written over 60 years ago by Robert Munger, describing the experience that he had when he invited Jesus to come into his heart and thinking of the metaphor of our heart like a home and showing Jesus around room by room and yielding each room and part of his, his heart to Jesus Christ. And we went uh, following a certain study that was six weeks and there wasn't anything on one of the rooms that he talks about called the work room. But we thought that room was important enough that we needed to extend our series and also include the workroom, which we're doing this morning. So we'll finish that series, and then we will begin next week a very uh, rich series on prayer that will take us through the summer, and you'll hear more about that later. But I wanted to also take this opportunity as we begin the theme of faith and work uh, in this sermon to uh, give you the opportunity to meet Ian Hamilton, whom God brought to Trinity uh, to help out in a halftime way as an interim associate pastor. He has met many of you already because that's the kind of friendly guy he is, and he will be helping to work with several leadership teams in areas that are really important to us right now in the church, um, the Sticky Faith launch team as we're looking for a new model for youth ministry that involves all of us, our connections team as we are increasing our connection um, to one another in the church, and also to our common language as we are seeking to articulate what is the goal of our spiritual journey? How do we know we're getting there? So I'm going to invite Ian to come up, and he's going to do two things, kind of speak into this theme of faith and work, and also here's Ian Hamilton. Introduce himself to you. Yeah. Good morning. It's uh, a bit ironic. The picture that was up there uh, has me wearing a striped shirt. It wasn't this shirt, but uh, I probably, hopefully, look like the same individual that you saw there. I just want to thank you so much for the uh, warm welcome that I have felt since Tuesday morning when I arrived here. And uh, you have been so gracious to me, giving me uh, words of encouragement and um, uh, glad handshakes. And so I'm so thrilled to. Uh, come alongside you and work with you in this community called Trinity Presbyterian Church. It's a real honor for me. I have my beautiful wife, Kim, with me this morning. Uh, Kim and I have been married uh, for 75 months. We actually uh, count our marriage out by months just to make up for some lost time. Uh, but it has been a real blessing and, and joy to be married to Kim, and I thank God for her every single day. Uh, Kim has three grown children, Amanda, who is married to Mike, Molly, who's married to Billy, and in between his two sisters is Michael, her son. And I have three adult children, uh, myself, Kyle, who's married to Emily, Drew, who uh, just announced this week on Wednesday that he is engaged to Aaron, and I get to meet her for the very first time in a few days. And then my youngest son, Christopher, who actually also announced this week that he just was received into Duke Divinity School and so it has been a full week, a beautiful week, a wonderful week. Not that all weeks are like this in my life, but it's been a, a good thing, and I cannot thank God enough for uh, his goodwill and timing in our lives. Thirty-five years ago, uh, also this past week uh, as well, as it just turns out, I made um, in my heart Christ to be home for me. I was 19 years old and living at Crater Lake National Park in Oregon, working there for the summer. And I remember praying very simply to God, 
asking him if by his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he would come to me and forgive me of my sin and take up residence in my heart, then I would simply live for him. And to my great joy and delight, he did take up residence in my heart. And so now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, some 35 years later, my heart has been home to Jesus. And what a journey it has been. And I want to give you just a little picture of my background as it relates to work this morning. I never saw myself entering full-time vocational ministry, but that happened in 1987. But I also never saw myself leaving full-time vocational ministry, and that happened 10 years later. And so for the last 17 years, I have been working for the Lord in the private sector, primarily in the sales and marketing of residential real estate properties. But in the beginning of that transition period from pastoral ministry into the private business sector, I asked for some encouragement and advice from a mentor and colleague friend of mine, Stuart Briscoe. I will never forget his sage and sound words to me when he said to me, very simply, Ian, don't forget that all of life is ministry. All of life is ministry. So whether you work for the Lord vocationally in the church as a pastor or out in the community in the private or public sector, you do it all in the name of the Lord for his great glory and honor. All of life is ministry. I have carried these words with me to this very day. He concluded by quoting Psalm 24, which we had as a part of our reading this morning. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's. Ian, you're in it. You belong to him. And so for the last 17 years, the attitude of my heart has been, Lord, use me today to be a blessing and a minister of your truth, of your hope, of your love and peace to the world in which you have called me. That's been my calling since I made my heart Christ's home. And if Jesus has taken up residence in your heart, then the choice to be a minister of his truth and hope and love and peace in the workplace is your calling as well. My story and your story is about God's life being lived out through us, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, and yes, in the workroom, the marketplace where he, where we have the privilege of representing Christ to those we work with and alongside each and every day. The challenge is for us to see our work as having great value and worth in God's eyes and for his kingdom, because it does. Trust him enough to give him your days, all of your days, and that which you do during your days, and watch him work through you as you trust him by faith to work with you in the marketplace. It's a great journey. It really is. But I also want to recognize that I know in the sanctuary this morning there are those of us who are underemployed, perhaps unemployed. There are some of us who work for abusive bosses, aggressive bosses, some of us in very tense or even somewhat toxic environments. Please, my encouragement to you is to not to walk there alone. Let's lean on each other here in the body of Christ to give support and encouragement to one another. Let us pray for you. Let us pray for each other. That's what we're here for as a body of Christ. So every blessing to you all, and I look forward to uh, these months that we have together serving alongside you, with you uh, to be the people of blessing and hope that God has called us to be. God bless you all, and amen. Thank you.
great wisdom from Stuart Briscoe for Ian, all of life is ministry. And it is also the wisdom that we are hearing from the Apostle Paul in our passage this morning, and that is in what's called the Book of Colossians, but it's actually a letter. Paul wrote a lot of letters to the churches, and in those letters, over and over again, he would use the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, talking about our life in Christ and Christ's life in us. And so as we turn to Colossians, which I encourage you to do, in the back of your Bibles, to Colossians 3 in particular, just mindful of that intimacy that Paul is assuming and knows is the life of the follower of Jesus, that we live our life in Christ, Christ's life is alive in us. And also, even as we get into chapter 3, we hear Paul saying, if you have been raised with Christ, talking to those who have the risen life of Christ inside of them. So before we get into our passage, I just want to highlight the way Paul is making this connection from church on Sunday, worship, to what's happening on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and the rest of the week and in our daily lives. There is no gap. There is no gap. There is no secular world. We use the word secular. We live in a very secular culture which really is saying that we live in a culture that is not acknowledging God or mindful of God. It does not mean that everything and all we are is not God's. So for those of us that are alive in Christ and Christ is alive in us, we are mindful. And every single day, we are living in that reality and living out that embodied reality of the risen life of Jesus in us. So in many of the letters, Paul has what's called the household code. In the household code, he's specifically addressing the day-to-day work life of every person in the church. The children, the parents, the moms, the dads, the workers, the slaves, the masters. And so in a moment, you're going to hear a passage which is addressed to slaves and masters. Now, this is jarring language for us, and rightly so, because we know from our own journey with slavery in this country just how hideous and oppressive that is. When he's addressing slaves and masters, however, in the first century, it is different. Not that it's good, but it is different. Slavery for them was not race-based. It was not permanent. Slaves had rights, and most of the workers, over 50% of the workers, were called slaves. So it was almost like he was talking to employees and employers. So I think for our topic today, it would be helpful for us to hear that because that's really what Paul has in mind. He is speaking to what we do every single day in our work week, whatever our day-to-day work is, in the home, in the workplace, wherever and whatever it is. So let's pray and listen to God's word. Jesus, you are the word of life, and we are hungry for that word, and we are waiting so that we know you and we walk with you, not only on Sunday morning, and not only when we're inside this building or in the programs of the church, but every day. So speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 22, and going through chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to God's word to you. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters in everything, 
not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has been done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, for you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. So what good is our faith, one person asked, if it doesn't have anything to say about what we do with most of our lives? Nine-tenths of our lives plus is spent in our daily work. And I'm not just talking about people that are employed in business or government or education or health care or those that are working in all kinds of serving professions. That also means people who are volunteers, people who are retired, people who are unemployed, what you're doing every single day of your work week. There is nothing secular. That's the first point I hope we all absorb As Abraham Kuyper said, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he's a Dutch theologian, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Mine, including your work life. So as we think about faith and work, I think that's a really important place to begin. There's nothing secular. What we do every single day of the week is what we're doing for the Lord and belongs to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So second thing I want us to absorb is the fact that our work matters to God. It matters to God, first of all, because God created us to work. It's one of the first things we hear in the opening chapters of Genesis. God's creating all things and God's creating all things good and a part of that good creation in the Garden of Eden, we read this, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. It's a great picture. We are created to work, which may just be bad news for you because you're thinking, shoot, I thought we were created to retire and have a good time and go on vacation, especially when you've got spring fever like I do right now and you want to go on vacation. But if you look even further in Genesis 2, 2, not only were we created to work, but we see that God works. It's a part of who God is. On the seventh day, God finished what? The work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God works. We're made in God's image. So intrinsic to who we are is that we are people who flourish when we work. Work is not an obstacle to flourishing. It is a part of flourishing. Not only because it's intrinsic to who we are, it's also what could be called instrumental in its value. Things get done. The garden gets tilled. Life life is made to happen in all kinds of ways through all kinds of jobs, whether it's the job that we would love to have. I always thought I wanted to be a park ranger, which was not a good idea. But whether it's the job you would love to have or the job you look at, you say, boy, am I glad I'm not out there standing in the sun holding that stupid sign on the street, you know, to tell people in the blazing hot sun not to go this way. Whatever the job is, whatever, all work matters because God has created us to work 
because there is instrumental value to the work. And if you stop and think about who we are, people who have come out of the Reformation, one of the great um, truths out of the Reformation was called the priesthood of all believers. Martin Luther said this, the milkmaid has as honorable a calling as the priest. Yeah, we all have the spirit of Jesus Christ in us. We are all, wherever we are, priests of the living God. We all have the Holy Spirit, not just the priests and the pastors. You know, I personally long for people, uh, you've heard me talk about vocation, which comes from the word vocare, vocal, meaning, you know, hearing God's call, finding your calling, your place, your work in the world. And we hear it a lot at graduation time. All the students that are graduating are told to live their passion. You can do anything. Find your niche in the world which I really do long for. And even in our staff, we've been taking the strengths finder every time we get a new staff member and looking at our strengths and trying to play into our strengths. But the truth is, we live in a broken world, in a broken marketplace, in a broken educational system, in a broken social system, and there are a lot of people that are working jobs that are not their passion, that's not meaningful work, that's not inspiring for them. It is a grind, it is brutal, it is hard, it is frustrating, it is overwhelming. So this word is not just to people who are loving their job. This word is to everybody. Slaves, masters, employees, employers, people who are employed, people aren't employed, what you're doing every single day of your week. Our work matters to God. So intermixed in this faith and work topic today, I'm going to fold in a few stories taken from two of our deacons. And the first one that I want to share with you, something that was written by Ann Karaski, uh, one of our deacons, and she is a literacy, let's see, she called it early literacy teacher for K through 2. Um, and I'm going to read something that she wrote and um, gave me permission to read to you. I'm not sure if it's because I'm a mother, which has been my favorite life role. You can see her here with her husband and with her two sons. Filled with such hard work, being a mother, and also great joy. Or if it's just because I'm a softie, yes, softie. But as I greet my students each day, even the little boogers, I'm warmed by their presence. Much like I like to think Jesus is warmed by our attendance. Even when I encounter students I don't particularly know in the hallways or doing yard duty, I am greeted with a, hi, Mrs. K, and I respond, hello, sweetheart. It's so nice to see you. Acknowledging them is such a joy. There are frustrating learning events when I am sure my students should have a particular concept, and yet they continue to trip over it and struggle. I want to pull my hair out or look around my classroom for the hidden camera. Sure, I'm being punked. And I know Jesus must feel the same about me and how I can struggle and fall short in my walk with him. I do think of his patience and how he loves us more than I can fathom, wanting only the best for us. And this, too, is what I want for my students, my kids. Great window into seeing what's happening on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whether it's parenting, whether it's being in the school, helping these students learn to read, that her work and what she's doing in every way she greets every student matters to God. 
Nothing secular. There is nothing secular. So our work matters to God, and that's not the only thing we want to hear, that nothing is secular, our work matters to God, but also it is a way of loving God and serving the Lord as our master. Interesting the way Paul writes in here, I think, when he says, whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. Wow. So whatever your career, that's relative. Your ultimate career is working for God. It's like Jesus going to the fishermen, Peter and John, and he walked up to them in their boat with their fathers and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. There's fishing that's beyond fishing. There's business that's beyond business. If you're an artist, there's art that's beyond art. There's beauty that's beyond beauty. There's wealth beyond wealth. Your ultimate work, your career, your vocation is really for God. And your ultimate boss is really God. I mean, yes, they were in the boat with their dads, but what did they do? They left. That doesn't mean they left honoring their fathers, but they really were working for Jesus. This means that you and I serve the Lord Christ. Whatever we're doing Monday through Friday, through Saturday, through Sunday, you may be working a 24-7 job. Think about that phrase. You serve the Lord Christ. What does Lord mean? Ruler, master. What does Christ mean? King. Master, it's like a boom, boom. You serve the master, master. That is who you are working for. You and I are all working for. He's in you. He's in me. And he will help us serve with love, even those we don't like working for and don't like working with. Think about what Jesus did when he was here. He was a servant. Who was he serving? People who didn't even like him. People who were fools. If Jesus can serve fools, like you and me, so can we. By God's presence in us, we can serve masters that are idiots, or whatever you want to call them, or that are making you crazy. God alive in us can give us the grace to do that and love them. He will guide our steps as we wrestle in situations that are complex, that are ethically asking us to compromise, That are every day there's no simple answer for what you should do in that situation because you're being tugged in several directions. God is there with you. God will give you wisdom for that. I want to read to you something that was written by another one of our deacons, and that's Cliff Kemper. Um, You see him here with his family, and he wrote this. I encounter many opportunities at work to sincerely work for my earthly masters as well as for my Lord. It isn't always easy to do both. I encountered a situation recently that could cost my company dearly with a loss of business because I felt I did what was right for God and maybe not what was right for my employer. My employer provides IT, information technology people, for large companies, and I am in the middle of a situation where a powerful manager is using his position to influence our female employees to do things that are, at best, uncomfortable for them. 
I quote, blew the whistle last week, and an investigation has begun. I am not doubting that I did the right thing. I am concerned, however, that ramifications might be great, as I have responsibility for delivering profit to the company, and this could seriously disrupt that. This is one of the more severe choices that I've made of late, but many smaller ones that are not easy come along every day. I pray, he writes, that the Holy Spirit will guide me through the hard ethical issues in my work where the choice to deliver profit versus something else faces me. It was eye-opening to me to read that. And many of you are in situations where you are facing this every day. I could only write back to Cliff as he told more details. My life is so different than yours. But for a lot of you, your life is just like that or you're facing those kinds of challenges and struggles every single day. Our work is a way of loving and serving our true master. It's the way that we love even in the midst of working with people we don't love, that we work hard whether somebody's watching us work hard or not, whether we're getting a reward for that or not, because we are working for our true master, We serve Master Master, Jesus Christ. And it is the way that we express our love for God, what we do every single day. I want you to see this little clip out of the movie Fiddler on the Roof. It's only about a minute long. Love. Love. Boulder, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? Well? With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town. You're upset, you're worn out. Go inside, go lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. Uh, no, Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well... For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Do you love me? And ultimately she says, I suppose I do. And how did that love get expressed? For 25 years... I washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. If that's not love, what is? What we say, faith and work does not mean talking about Jesus all day long in your workplace. Faith and work does not necessarily mean leading a Bible study, which would be lovely. Faith and work is how you work, how you love God, how you treat people justly and fairly. How you do that is the way you are loving God. That's how we express our love for our true master, our master master, our true work, our true calling, beyond what we do every single day for our earthly masters and in our earthly vocation. We have a holy calling every single day. There's nothing secular. Our work matters to God, all life, all of our life. 
And it is our way of loving and serving our true master. And there's one final thing before we're done on this. And that is, is that we are a workroom for God. God is doing this through us. We're not alone in this. I loved Cliff's prayer. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help me and guide me in my workplace. And just like Ian said, we can't do this alone. Cliff was sharing this with the men at the men's Bible study yesterday. And they prayed for him. We need one another to live this kind of non-secular, holy life, a life of integrity, a life that looks like Jesus. It comes from Jesus. We are his workroom. In Christ, Christ in us, the risen life of Christ, alive in us. Because that's where the little booklet ends. Giving the title of the house over to Jesus. We are the workroom. So God bless you, every single one of you, no matter what your day-to-day work life looks like as a student, as a retired person, as one whose mobility is far less than it used to be in your life is so much simpler. You still have a work you're doing every day in your home. You and I, we are the workroom of God's Holy Spirit. So God bless you in it. Amen.